Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders Network, featuring Tales to Terrify, Crime City Central, Protecting Project Pulp, and the all-new Far-Fetched Fables. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. This is the Starship Sova, everybody. Welcome. Hello and welcome to show 335. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is fine and dandy. Tell you what's coming in today's show. First up, we'll have a story by Suzanne J. Willis. Number 73, Glad Avenue. Then at the end, we have an interview with... Matthew Sanborn Smith, very good friend of Starship Sova. Find out what Matt's up to these days. But before that, did you enjoy the Farfetch'd Fables launch last week? Hopefully, you just kind of went over there, subscribed to the show, and give yourselves a little, little bit of fantasy. Yes, please pop over there. Don't forget, they've just started off, so they would love some support. And that would be fantastic if you could do that. Farfetch'dFables.com for the new fantasy podcast of district of wonders there you go right then we'll get into our main fiction and like i say it is by suzanne j willis i'll give you a little heads up about suzanne suzanne j willis is a graduate of clarion south 2009 her work has appeared in lunar station quarterly schlock magazine antipodean sf goldfish grimm's spicy fiction sushi and anthologies by fablecroft publishing she works full-time and writes in her spaces around it, inspired by fairy tales, ghost stories and all things strange. Suzanne lives in Melbourne, Australia and can be found online at suzannejwillis.webs.com. And this story is narrated by the one, the only, Amy H. Sturgis. So, the Starship Sova is very proud to present number 73, Glad Avenue, by Suzanne J. Willis. What time does the clock have, Charlie? Mary looked left. 
dark, bobbed hair brushing her shoulders. She heard him mutter, then carefully shut the doors, locking the timepieces away, before walking around to face her, his little tin feet clicking softly against the wooden floor. 12 May, 1923, 6 p.m. She looked down at Charlie as he packed the powders and glass vials, which were no bigger than her thumbnail, into the black leather doctor's bag before climbing in and settling into the spare space at the side. At twelve inches tall, he just fit inside, with a whisker of room between his head and the bag's brass clasps. Comfortable? she asked. I'll be better when we've arrived. Let's get going. He clapped his hands together, then waved as she shut him in. Mary walked down the street. Silver waves of time flowed around her in a shimmering cascade as the buildings, the path, the people disappeared or grew or shrank into their new lines as required. Each step carried her gradually from 1852 to 1923. The bag clenched firmly in her hand, and she gave a little shiver. It's so different, she thought. All the beautiful clean lines, the geometric shapes of the buildings fronted with sunbursts and arching curves, the simple luxury of it all. Visiting the twenties, whether from the past or the misty future, never ceased to amaze her. There was something so fresh and almost, well, bouncy about it. It was an era in which Mary felt revived— which was no easy feat given that she and Charlie were constantly scissoring back and forth between the decades, centuries, epochs. It had been so long now, Mary had quite forgotten how their journey back and forth through time was supposed to end. She shook that thought away, better to let things work themselves out. The air stilled, and she looked around, Horse-drawn carriages had given way to automobiles, sleek and chrome, slinking down the road. A shiny brick-red model passed by, the Jaguar in mid-leap on the hood shining under the late afternoon sun. The driver whistled at Mary and tipped his hat as she smiled back. "'What is that infernal racket?' came Charlie's muffled voice from inside the bag. Mary listened for a moment. There it was— the unmistakable sound of jaunty pianos and sexy snaking trumpets. She realized she was tapping her foot. It's jazz, Charlie, you will stick in the mud, and I quite like it. He mumbled a reply. It's strange, though. Today doesn't feel terribly important. There's usually something... Number 73, Glad Avenue, was the exasperated response from the bag. Right you are, Charlie. Number 73 was set on a huge expanse of land fronting the river. Geraldine, their employer for the evening, led Mary into the front room that overlooked the lawn rolling down to the riverbank, a dark emerald in the dying light. And here's the bar. Geraldine pointed to the buffet unit in the corner. Walnut with marble top, if I'm not mistaken, and chrome trim. Geraldine nodded. We had it shipped all the way from New York, you know. There's not another one like it in the world. It's beautiful, and quite perfect for what we have in mind. I hope I don't seem immodest, but you couldn't have chosen a better hostess. You and your guests are in for a treat. Mary smiled. 
I do so love a good party, Geraldine. You don't appear to have brought much with you, dear, Geraldine pointed at the black bag. There's not a lot I need, as you'll see. Mary opened the clasps and brought out a miniature replica of the walnut and marble unit, placing it in the center of the real one. Geraldine looked shocked. But how could you know? Ah, now, a magician never reveals her secrets. With that, she pulled Charlie from the bag and stood him up behind the little bar, where he looked for all the world like a china doll with twinkling blue glass eyes and impressively thick mustache. Mary smoothed his ginger hair. He's just adorable, Geraldine said. And quite the star of the show, as you'll see. I'm fine to see the things here if you'd like to get ready for your guests. Of course, we do require payment up front. Oh, naturally, yes. Geraldine rummaged through the drawers of a dark bureau on the other side of the room. For the sake of discretion, Mary turned and walked over to the tall, arched windows. She looked at the long wooden jetty. A woman sat at the end, silhouetted against the sunset flamed river, her toes skimming the water. Beautiful at this time of day, isn't it? Mary smiled. It's like something out of the great gets. She stopped herself. That's not until 1925. From what, dear? Oh, nothing. Who is that sitting at the end of the jetty? That's my older sister, Freya. She's a funny thing, keeps quiet to herself, and. But I'm rattling on. Here you go. Geraldine held out a gold pocket watch. It swung gently on the end of its chain and caught the last rays of the sun. It hasn't worked for years, but it does pain me to part with it. It was my grandfather's. Still, you come so highly recommended. She paused, glancing at Mary suspiciously. If you don't mind my saying so, it does seem like an odd price. With a beatific smile, Mary reached out for the watch. As metal and flesh came into contact, the watch shivered, its gold sparking in the gathering dark. She shifted it in her hands. It warmed to her touch. Click. The cover sprang back to reveal the ornate hands slowly journeying around its pale face. The second hand was missing. Well, now, look at that. It seems to be working after all. Even has the right time. She waved her free hand at Geraldine, dismissing her confusion. Which means you must go and get ready. Once Geraldine was gone, Charlie stretched and yawned on the bar, blinking his glassy eyes. He jumped into the bag, rummaged about, then jumped out again with several vials. He began to mix the powders and fluids together in a bell shaped bottle, humming softly to himself. The jetty drew Mary's gaze again. Freya was walking along it toward the shore, leaving a trail of silvered footprints shining like old stars. Mary smiled at the women. Flappers, she remembered. In their feathered headpieces and beaded frocks, at the men in their razor sharp suits as they lit cigarettes in long holders for their paramours. Her own close fitted dress was black, long sleeved, innocuous. The only feature was a row of silver buttons down her back. But the colors the flappers wore, and the fabrics, the delicate diaphanous skirts, the trailing ribbons from dropped waists, the long strings of jewels. Darlings, the jewels. 
The parquetry floor shook and the chandeliers tinkled as the guests shook and shimmied and stomped to the jazz band, its piano, trumpet, and Sharky Malone's whiskey voice jumping across the night. No one looked lonesome in a corner or was without one of Charlie's fabulous gin martinis or old fashions. Everything was going to plan. I would honestly love to know how that little barman doll works. He seems so like life. Lifely, um, real. Geraldine had crept up behind Mary and slung an arm around her shoulders. Her voice was a little slurry, and her headpiece of peacock feathers and jet sat askew. He's always a hit, but now I think would be a good time for the main event, seeing as the band's about to break. She signaled to Sharky Malone, who pulled a worn little hip flask from his pocket and toasted in reply. If you'll just get everyone to... Darlings, my lovely catty kits. No, wait, my kitty cats. <laughs> Geraldine giggled and swayed as all eyes turned towards her. She waved a hand at Mary, who felt a little thrill run through her. This was what she had been waiting for. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to form an orderly line in front of the bar, we have a rather special treat for the evening, courtesy of the lovely Geraldine. Mary smiled winningly. The crowd cheered as she walked to the bar and stood beside Charlie. Tiny ruby glasses, about twice the size of a thimble, were stacked on the right of his little bar. On the left were the bell-shaped bottle and two chrome cocktail shakers. The booze, she knew would be on the shelf underneath. "'You really are an old pro, aren't you, Charlie?' Mary whispered to him. He replied with a wink. "'Whiskey or gin?' asked Mary, of the first guest, a plump woman with a fur-trimmed neckline and tight rings that made her fingers look like sausages. "'Whiskey, thanks, honey.' At this stage of the evening, Charlie could relax a little. People were drunk enough not to notice that his movements were fluid, less like a spring-powered automaton. It was exhausting to keep that act up all night, she knew. He deserved to have a little fun with his favorite part of the night. He poured the whiskey into the shaker, over crushed ice, followed by a shot of something shimmering that looked like liquid violets. Hang on a minute, honey. That's not anything that's stronger than booze now, is it? If you get my drift. The plump woman looked concerned. Madam, I assure you, we serve nothing dangerous. Now who's the old pro? whispered Charlie under his mustache. The shaker frosted over as he gave it a quick, expert shake. He lifted it high in the air, straining the beverage into one of the ruby glasses. A fine mist wafted from the liquid as it waterfalled into it. The sound of children's laughter splashed up from the drink. Now, isn't that just the strangest thing? The woman's pink-painted lips curved into a smile, her chubby cheeks shining. She held the glass up to the light. Crimson sparkles shone on the wall behind it. Mary smiled back. Now, if you'd like to make your way to the lawn? The plump woman stood aside for a man in a brown fedora. Whiskey or gin? They streamed to the bar, full of laughter and disinhibition, Mary watched Charlie pass another tiny glass of violet liquid to a smiling, swaying man, reveling in their abandonment. 
Geraldine waved at Mary as the last guest wandered outside. Bottoms up, darlings, she cried, downing the drink in one mouthful as Mary switched off the lights. Charlie wiped out the cocktail shakers as he looked out the window. Admiring your handiwork? Mary asked. It never gets dull, does it? I mean, I never quite know how they're going to react. Look, she whispered. The crescent moon was slung low on the horizon, refusing to illuminate the garden with more than a wan glow. Geraldine laughed, a raucous guffaw from her belly. As it rang out, the laughter vaporized into yellow light like boiling water into steam. It broke off into tiny pieces that flew up into amber lanterns that Mary had earlier strung through the trees, around the ironwork fencing, along the edges of the lawn. Luminous, the lanterns lit the party with the light of a worn-through sunset, silhouettes of the ants and insect wings forever frozen in the amber filled the grounds. Beautiful as ever, Charlie sighed. It does seem sad, though, that they don't ever remember it. Perhaps, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't change them, that they don't carry it with them. Laughing softly, she pointed toward the plump woman who had taken the first drink. All her flapper frippery had fallen off, discarded on the damp grass. She stretched, her body elongating, the soft white flesh stretching and curving around changing bones. An unseen vessel tipped over her head, spilling shining liquid until she was coated head to foot in chrome. Naked, unadorned, she arched her back in an imitation of the Diana lamps and ashtrays of the day. Amazing, isn't it, what people can do when you take back just a little time from them? Mary never grew tired of the endless shapes, the forms and formlessness that rested under the layers of time that humans wore like a shell. She wondered what would happen if it was age, the strangely complicated effect of time that was stripped away. But the drink took back time itself, bringing out all the possibilities that the years steal away. So that's how you do it, then. Mary jumped. The arrival of the owner of that low, sweet voice meant that they had a problem on their hands. Charlie froze, the tiny white towel swaying in his hand. Freya, in cloche hat and almond-colored wrap-over coat, walked from the shadows, smiling. She looked like she was holding a secret inside her, beating like a second heart. Mary reached up to smooth down her hair, something she only did when she was unsettled. I don't believe you've had one of Charlie's drinks. Freya laughed. <laughs> I don't know that I will in any event. She moved to the window. Mary felt a small electric shock as Freya's arm brushed hers. They stood together and looked onto the changing quicksilver shapes in the flickering shadows. Mary was surprised that Freya didn't seem shocked by any of it. Geraldine always was a scattered girl, never too sure what she wanted. Freya pointed to her sister, who was filled with light from within, illuminating the network of veins, arteries, capillaries under her skin. The light dimmed, and she laughed as a monkey tail poked out from the waistband of her skirt and wound around her waist. The guests giggled and chattered, 
jazz dancing through the trees. A man looked down as his body transformed into a series of geometric frosted glass panels separated by thin lead welds. His friend leaned down to peer through the glass, seemingly unperturbed by the snowy wings that had grown where his ears should be. Geraldine laughed and swung her tail, quite flirtatiously, Mary thought, at a woman whose skin had turned a mottled sea blue. Delicate leafy sea dragons swum around her wrists and wove through her hair as it drifted as though tugged by the tide and unseen currents. We don't allow people to witness our parties if they aren't prepared to participate. Charlie sounded a lot less amiable than usual, and Mary noticed he was holding an ice pick, its point gleaming. She shook her head at him, not wanting to have to take Freya's time by force. That was a messy business at best and could turn ugly. Easy, Charlie, easy, she whispered. But I have seen one before. Don't you remember? Freya looked surprised, then took a step backwards as she glanced at Charlie's ice pick. You told me to be patient because you'd come back and I would discover things way beyond what I had seen that night. She held her left hand out to Mary, palm upturned. The skin of her wrist was pale, the veins cobalt beneath. Between the delicate layers was a watch hand, pointing toward her palm. Mary recognized it instantly. That's the second hand from your grandfather's watch, she said. So you do remember. Mary shook her head. I'm afraid not. We've never met before, but things that have happened in your past may be going to happen in our future, see? Why am I telling her this? She wondered. Charlie scowled as her words spilled out. She hurried on. So you had better tell your story so we can see exactly what's going on. And how on earth we're going to deal with it? She thought. Freya looked nervously at Charlie, the ice pick still in his hand. Mary frowned. Put it away, Charlie. Grumbling, Charlie reluctantly stowed the weapon under his counter. I was only seven, Freya began, when my grandparents had a party, just like this one. The world in 1889 was a lot different to the world now. It was all propriety and manners and rules. It was claustrophobic, especially for a child. I couldn't sleep and lay in bed, listening to the party downstairs, and then I heard your voice, Mary, calling for everyone to line up for the evening's special treat, just like you did earlier tonight. I crept to the top of the stairs, and I... I saw... It was just like tonight, people changing into things I'd never dreamed of. Can you imagine what that was like for a child? A loud bang on the window made them all jump, an enormous peacock, still with human legs, lay sprawled on the grass, shaking its head. Amateur, muttered Charlie. I wanted to join them, Freya went on, and I crept out from my hiding place, made it to the first landing. That was when you saw me, Mary. You walked up the stairs towards me, and I thought you were so lovely, so different. But as you got closer, I felt very peculiar, sort of still from the inside out. Mary glanced across at Charlie, who shrugged his shoulders. You introduced yourself, held out your hand, and when I took it, the stillness filled me up entirely, 
And we shone then, Mary, you and I, like a shooting star. Here she is, you called quietly downstairs, and then you leaped up, Charlie, nimble as you please, to say hello. And the watch hand? he asked. My grandfather's watch was there on the bureau. You fiddled about with it for a bit, then asked me to hold out my arm. You told me not to look, and that it would feel a bit like a bee sting. When it was done, you said that it would remind me to wait for you, to wait for my new life, and I've been waiting ever since. Charlie began polishing the cocktail shakers, even though they were already clean. And now that we're back, what is it you want? Freya looked surprised. To come with you, of course. The shaker clattered to the floor. We're not taking applications here. This is a two-man gig. But I've been waiting my whole life. It's already happened. Don't you see? My past, your future, it must all lead to now. You talk about taking people's time, but I've given all my time just waiting, knowing you'd come back. Mary turned toward the window, unable to look at Freya's hopeful face. Geraldine's guests were scattered across the lawn in little groups, some dancing, others with their arms or fins or wings wrapped around one another singing. They were all having the night of their lives in exchange for just a little of their time. You know, Charlie and I have traveled an awful lot and seen some amazing things. This is a magical decade to be living through. You should be out there enjoying it, not wanting to come along with the two of us. She turned to face Freya, who was twisting her hands anxiously. Listen to that wonderful jazz. Doesn't that make you want to forget everything and just be? In a shadowy corner of the garden, the band played, their instruments now part of them. The fat-bellied bassist was the double bass. The trumpeter's trumpet sprouted from his lips. Sharky Malone, of course, was still Sharky Malone, but with every gravelly note he sang, a bronze honeybee flew from his lips, and there was just a glimpse of the piano keys that had taken the place of his teeth. When I hear it, it makes me think of timeless things, like I can see into forever. I'm not like them. She looked mischievously at Charlie. And I'll prove it. I'll have one of your special drinks, please. Gin, she stated, before Charlie could ask. Mary sighed, relieved, then smiled at Charlie, who was making a double for Freya. This would fix the whole issue once and for all. A drink, a transformation, a blissful forgetting would leave them in the clear. No matter what Freya said, she didn't belong with them. One more question. What do you do with the time that you take back? When we know that, said Charlie, it'll be time to go home. Freya lifted the tiny glass, the violet liquid shining. To tomorrow, she said, then downed it in one shot. She glided outside, where she was joined by a swarm of dragonflies, their wings shimmering lalique green and plum, which had previously been a rather prim man in a pinstripe suit. So that's that, then, said Charlie. I think we better go while we have the chance. Couldn't have said it better, old girl. Mary and Charlie whisked around the room, collecting bottles and glasses and packing them into the black bag. She snapped the case shut and picked it up as Charlie climbed up onto her shoulder.
They went out onto the lawn for their traditional last walkthrough of a party. To their left, the plump woman who had become a chrome goddess lay sleeping like a fallen statue. The dragonflies buzzed about in a man shape, hovering around the amber lights, and the band played on a sad, sweet dirge. Ain't no sun, my autumn girl. Ain't no moon or rain. Got an empty home, an empty heart since the sunrise stole you away. Well, bugger me, Charlie. Language. On their right was a giant willow tree. At its base stood Freya, her eyes dark and sparkling. Mary stared, her eyes wide. You've not changed one bit, and that was a double dose. How? I told you, I'm not like them. I'm all still inside. Only after I had that drink, this happened. Mary and Charlie looked down at Freya's wrist. The watch hand was moving now, ticking away second by second. They reached out and rested their forefingers gently over it. Freya's time pulsed through them, and it felt like exultation. Mary clasped her hand. Time is indeed the fabulous monster in us all. The difference is in what you do with it. Best you do come along with us, after all. They set out for the jetty, stretching out across the darkened river that held the night reflected. On the shore sat Geraldine. Propped against a fig tree and snoring softly, her dark locks lifted gently in the breeze, rippling and shaking as they parted to reveal glossy black feathers. With a fierce beating of wings, the sky was filled with ravens from her hair. Freya bent to kiss her sleeping sister and then followed her new companions waiting on the jetty. Mary sat on the edge, Charlie still on her shoulder. What time does the clock have, Charlie? He swung from her shoulder and began to climb down her back, deftly unclasping the silver square buttons that ran the length of her spine. As he undid the last one, the doors of her back opened wide. She heard Freya gasp as she looked inside and wondered what it must be like to see it for the first time. A giant hourglass in the center, surrounded by carefully hung fob watches, alarm clocks, chronographs, and wristwatches, with a stone sundial sitting at her left hip. They softly ticked and swung, the silvery river of time swirling and twisting around them, and shivering the sand in the hourglass. Twenty-one July, nineteen sixty-nine, two fifty-six a.m. He shut the doors, then gave Mary a wink before hopping into the bag. Now that does feel like a celebration, Freya said. You just wait, replied Mary. The air around them quivered and flowed as they walked toward the end of the jetty. <laughs> There you go. Don't forget, copyright is Suzanne. Suzanne, thank you so much for that. That's just fantastic. And like I say, I'll put a link on Suzanne's work. Please go over there and, you know, check out Suzanne's work and everything else. A fantastic story. And Amy H. Sturgis. Girl, go on there. Thank you so much. 
So, a couple of weeks ago, I got together with Matt to have a little chat, just to like say, well, we start these things, you know, and time kind of goes on, and we sometimes you, you, you kind of contact each other, but then you, you don't really sit down and have a good chat. And I just thought it would be lovely to have like, a nice chat with Matt, you know, and press the record button. So this is what we did. Now I've got on the on the on the line at some ridiculous hour, Matthew Sanborn Smith. Matt, sir. Tony, how's hey, it going? Well it's going all right. Matt, we must be getting a bit old and a bit senile because I'm sitting here and it's seven it's one minute to seven o'clock in the morning. And I, everyone will probably think, wow, you're a mad fool, Tony. What time's it over there, Matt, for you? Two AM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think we've been doing this that long now. This kind of online media podcasting thing, Matt. We're just—it's just, it's just the, the brain cells have gone. It's all we know. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of my brain cells are are going at the moment. Hey, they, they're going. Um, mine are going quicker than bloody age as well. Do you know what I mean, Matt? We're t- anyway, we're, go- we're just end up talking about two grumpy old fellas talking and bloody <laughs> passing the time. What? Matt, tell us about, because honestly, like you say, you come on the Starship Sofa, you do Fiction Crawler, and you do, you know, your own kind of things as well. I've been dying. I had, I think we had an interview once before, but that was actually when we were kind of young kids, you know what I mean? And it was it'd be lovely to get you back on and just let everyone know, you know, what the hell Matthew Sanborn Smith's up to these days. Yeah, I think I did, um, I think I did the Sofa Knots a few times, um, and that that was about that. Uh so what what's going on now? I'm um, uh, writing uh, short stories as as usual. I've got um, I've got some stuff uh, coming out shortly. Uh, Kaleidotrope. Uh, I'm going to have a story out this year. I've got um, um, in a project a, a three way project with uh, Sofanod's Grant Stone and Dan Roberts. I, I, I bet I'm pronouncing Dan's last name wrong. Anyway. <laughs> We're uh, we're a writing group called Cerberus, and we've got our first story coming out in uh, Andromeda Spaceways In Flight magazine soon. I think issue sixty. Um, and of course, I'm working like crazy on Beware the Hairy Mango, my podcast, because Mucho Mango Mayo is coming up, which is one new uh, one new podcast episode each day in the month of May, and it's a killer. Matt, man, honestly, I'm, I'm taking notes there, but there's so much to kind of ask you. Do you know what I mean? Let's talk about, you know, your podcast then, because how long has that been going now? That has been going, um, I think, four and a half years. I think it was, uh, I think it was September 2009 I started that. Right. And, is, and it, is it still the exact same format about, say, well, I'm, I'm guessing it is because I've I listened to it, like, yeah. say, three minutes of, like, just craziness. It's, yeah, around there. It's it's maybe uh, five minutes. It varies per episode, around five minutes. So, you know, you can get in and get out real quick. And uh, if you've never heard it before, you'll find out if you like it or not really fast. Um, but it's basically uh, an introduction, um, a, a very short story, and then outro credits. And, and that's about it. But it uh, I change up the credits, how I, how I do them every time. Like... Um, you know, I, I tell you how to follow me on Twitter in a different way every time. And the the uh, the, the stories are the stories are generally pretty absurdist. Um, like the the one I'm working on at the moment is called Pirate Radio, and it's about a 
um, a handheld radio that gets thrown out to sea and uh, robs other radios and, you know, becomes a scourge of the seven seas and the, the short waves. Is the the, so, the hairy mango, Matt, is that your, that writing style on there? Is that anything in relation to what you're kind of putting out with on your own short stories? Like your big, uh, like your big short stories, should I say? Right. Right. Uh, no, there's there's a little there's a little bit of relation, but honestly, nobody would nobody would buy what I'm writing to do with everything. That's why I have to give it away for free. But uh, guy loves it on his truth. There, <laughs> the beware the hairy mango is is probably the most essential Matthew Sanborn Smith you can get. It's the stuff I. If if you saw it, if you saw what I was writing in my high school notebooks, it would be almost the same kind of thing. Only in my in my high school notebooks, all the stories were starring me, and that's not the case now. But um, sometimes the short stories benefit from a little uh, mango craziness. Uh, I did a short story for uh, John Miro um, in his Walk the Fire anthology. And it uh, it was an adventure. Uh, it was a love story, but it also had um, it also had sort of like a fountain of snails, and it had uh, boiling cement and and just you know some some craziness like you would find in the mango. So there's a little bit that gets in now and then, uh, but they're generally separate. You know, I've I've always kind of wanted to ask you this and never had. You know, like you say, with the mango, you've got those in rows and out rows, and it just flows so nice, but honestly, it's like it's like comic genius, like distilled down. So you've got the kind of raw essential. What's it like though? Is it like drawing teeth to get them on them words on the paper or on the screen? Absolutely. Is it? Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> because because we're up to. Uh, we're up to episode, let's see, I think 203 just came out. So I've told you how to follow me on Twitter 203 different ways. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I should be out of ways by now. So it's, it's bloody hard. But uh, what I try to do is when I'm writing, just sort of do it as a stream of consciousness thing. Just throw down whatever pops into my head. And hopefully I give it an edit before I actually record. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. To make it a little better than it started out. Um, <laughs> so it's it's a slog. It's, it's only a five-minute show, but it's entirely scripted. Every, every single thing that comes out of my mouth is written down first. And uh, so it, it'll take me... Um, an hour and a half, say, to write five minutes of show. Wow, man. And then, like you say, now you're doing this month of it. Is that right? Where it's like every day, it's going to be a, like a mango every day? Right. And uh, in the month of May, um, I do a new episode every day. Normally, I do two episodes a month. I do a, a show on the 15th and the 30th. Um, and I have a new subscription feed, um, similar to, to your new version of the Sofanauts. Um, so you can get an extra show. It's like four bucks a month. You get an extra show on the 7th and the 22nd. Um, so it's normally we're talking like, um, oh, oh my gosh, it's 2 a.m. and my brain is going. <laughs> it's normally 22 uh, or 44 episodes a year, uh, except for the month of May, and that's 31 episodes. And I don't know why I picked a month that had 31 days. It was pretty stupid. I should have picked that. February. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what's even getting it more bizarre is because I start stuff, you know what I mean? I think, oh, that'll be a great thing to do. And then, you know, you realize a few weeks into it or something like that, you think, oh, this is going to be a bit of work and just kill it off. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Oh, I know. I. Are there, I wanted to, is there things you've killed the, the, off or not? Are there things that I've killed off? Well, ongoing projects, uh, I don't know, maybe one little thing. I was, I was going to, I did uh, something called the Great James Bond Read on uh, Twitter, where I'd read a chapter of a Bond book every night and then put out a tweet about that chapter. And that lasted... <laughs> That that didn't quite last two books because although Casino Royale was uh, was a great book, the second one I can't even remember which one the second one was, but the second one was bloody awful, and I couldn't even finish it, and so <laughs> that came to an end. But um, w- with the mango, um, I have wanted to quit many times, especially in the third week of May. I I want to I want to quit the show and um, maybe quit. Uh, you know, quit my internet existence altogether, but uh, I I power through because it's actually the most popular thing that I do. I have it, it's not a huge fan base, and I I understand that um, you know the humor doesn't appeal to most people, but uh, but the people who love it are hardcore lovers of it, and uh, so I don't want to let them down. So there you go. No, it it must be quite you know we must be kind of cut from the same sheath kind of almost man because you do you you get these times where you think oh man do you know what i mean and then you kind of you do something else and you kind of add to your burden you're thinking why am i keep on doing exactly. this but if there, if there wasn't you know what i mean you kind of think well, you, there's so many people out there you'd you kind of miss and you'd lose contact with and right right and and in fact um for let me see the first year and a half uh, at first my my original plan was to do two shows a week and that uh, that slowly degenerated into a show every few months, <laughs> and, and and you know I, I got 
I got most of my original fan base from the sofa, you know, from people knowing me over here and and seeing me on the forums, hearing me on the show with Fiction Crawler. And it was actually um, our friend Skelly Rocker who said, hey, where the hell's the new show? And and that got me to, you know, I, I said, whoa, somebody actually cares when this thing comes out. So um, he's the guy that got me to do two shows a month and eventually do uh, Mucho Mango Mayo. This is going to be the fourth year of Mucho Mango Mayo. That's unreal, to be quite honest, Matt. Hats off to you to kind of keep on going. Yeah, keep on going with, like, you know, the podcast, but kind of to do that monthly thing. It, you must... Six months before it happens, start thinking, right, I'm going to get me eggs all in a row here. Do you know what I mean? Get some exactly. sorted out. Exactly. <laughs> and then like a week before May starts, I'm like, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get everything, all my <laughs> eggs in a row again. Because <laughs> I haven't done anything for the last five months. But um, yeah, inevitably something happens, which totally throws me off track. And I'm always behind. Like uh, this year it was moving. I just moved across town um and that ate up a month of my life and um inevitably towards the end of may i'm i'm writing and recording a show hours or minutes before it's due to come out and <laughs> sometimes sometimes they're actually better for that because my i've, I've drop kicked my editor straight out the window so i can get something done and uh, it can get pretty wacky you know, that's even, even with Starship Sova, I actually find that's better. Do you know what I mean? Because it, I used to kind of really try and plan and everything like that. But now that I've got, you know, Adam's helping us out, I just kind of leave it till the last minute, you know, <laughs> on the Wednesday, you know. And it's sometimes kind of, because I like to get out Wednesday morning, it's, it's getting you know, kind of the 10 o'clock time. And right, right, I've got me, you know, I get everything set on and then that's it. Ooh, one quick edit, you know, and then it's out. Yeah, yeah. It and, and well, you you have the gift where you can just talk without having to read anything. I can't do that. I, I sound like I sound right now if I try that. <laughs> you know what it is, though, Matt? I try because I have to read the bios, and that's the thing that kind of slugs me right. You know, okay, it stops it because I'm thinking straight away. There's like a, a complicated name, and kind of you know what I mean. It goes down <laughs> like, history that I kind of I'll butcher that. And now, yeah. and now, you know, actually, it was last week. I think there's three different ways I've tried the name on the show. You know, I haven't even, I thought, I'm just going to go with that one. No, and then I've <laughs> changed it. And, you know, some people's names, they're just thinking, eh. And then the bios, sometimes, you know, like writers' bios, just yeah. go on forever. Do you know what I mean? And I always yes. like to kind of, you know, <laughs> give as much as I can because, the, you know, they're being kind of to give the story. But right. then I'm just thinking, nah, not like three pages kind of thing. So... Right, right. Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I do heavy editing, too, because I screw up constantly. And, and I actually, I'll sometimes add um, some funny screw-ups at the end um, because I got that from you. You know, you've done that on the sofa before. Um, but I'm screwing up constantly because I deliver the, sh I deliver the show really fast. Um, and I actually, I edit out um, breaths between sentences often. So it sounds really even faster because I found that, um, I don't actually have to be funny. I just have to make you think I just said something funny while I'm distracting you with the next thing that I'm saying. This know. is, this is, that's the plan, isn't it? But it's just like confused when just get it out fast. And exactly. Was, was, was that, it must've been, and then it's finished. 
It's like audio street magic. <laughs> mad, crazy man. What? I honestly can't believe you kind of, well, writing with Grant and Dan is an amazing thing. But are you writing this together? So you're writing one story, the Seabrus project you're doing. Are you writing one story and you're all collaborating on that? What, I'll, 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 tell you, I'll tell you how it went down. It's, um, so we're called Cerberus after the uh, three-headed dog that uh, guards uh, the gates of hell in Greek mythology. Um, I, as you are, I am a huge Beatles fan. And way back when, when they, they ran the, um, I think, it was, what was it, the Beatles anthology back around 1997, um, I, I watched that and I was inspired afterwards because I saw like um, Lennon and McCartney working together at the same time they were competing with each other. They created some incredible things. And I said, I said to myself, wouldn't it be awesome if you could have a writing group like that who could do that with fiction? And I actually I sent an email to Neil Gaiman once. Uh, God telling him, a try, yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, you know, I said, hey, you and me and William Gibson and, and we'll throw in we'll throw in Danielle Steele, too. The four of us could be a writing group and, you know. I don't have any money, so you'd all have to come over to my house, and we could do this thing. And he strangely never responded. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, about, um, what is it, a year and a half, two years ago, I said, well, let me start asking people. And so I, I sent out an email to a few people. Um, I also asked um, um, a couple of women, um, but both of them said that they're not very good with uh, collaboration, so they declined. But uh, Dan and Grant said, yeah, let's do this. And so what we do is we throw we throw our unfinished stories and our garbage stories or our stories that we just can't get to work. We throw them all um, in a in a file, um, a shared file. And every once in a while, one of us will take one of the other one's story and try to rewrite it. Uh, we'll add some stuff, twist it a little bit, and then uh, throw it back in the pot. The other, the other two guys will maybe do an edit, and then we send it out the door. And um, we're getting exactly what I wanted to get. Um, we're, we're getting stories that no single one of us could have produced by himself. Um, you know, we're getting some really interesting collaborations and, and the, the latest one that we're, we're soon to finish up is really off the wall. And I'm really happy about that because I like, um, I like experimentation and, and what that can produce. That must be actually a weird thing then, Matt, cause I, I didn't realize you did it like that. You know, like, so you're, you're getting like stories that you think, mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then you put them in right. this pot. That must be a weird thing to see your story totally evolve into something really different. It is. And you have to, you have to let go of your ego um, when you're doing that. You know, because we as writers who work by ourselves all the time, we're not like television writers. Television writers, you know, uh, your, your script will, will get dismantled and torn apart and you'll only see a shade of, of what you first came up with in the final product. Um, Fiction writers generally work by themselves and they call all the shots and eventually they'll work with an editor to change some things. Um, and even then there can be some fights because <laughs> we're used to getting our own way. 
Um, so you have to let go of all of that when you're working with other guys. And, and I'm fine with that. I don't have a problem with doing that. I want to see, I want to see what somebody else comes up with. I want to see my original vision, um, warped into something, um, that's a little less recognizable as, as long as, you know, the finished product is better. Um, you know, I, I, I can separate my, my two selves, my, the, the stories I do by myself, um, you know, I can, I can be controlling with, but the stories that I do with Cerberus, it's like anything goes. It's almost, you know, you can kind of look back in history, you know, like the Futurians joining it together, some of them writing, you know, it's like golden age science fiction, you know, this kind of collaboration. Right. And um, Grant and I actually started collaborating together um, before Cerberus. And um, I don't think I don't think we've ever finished a damn thing together, but we have. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we have worked on things together and initially we were like, well, how do you do this? And we were actually reading about how other people collaborate to figure out how we should collaborate. And as, as with writing individually, you know, there's as many ways to do it as there are collaborations. So we just sort of, you know, we pick away and give it a shot and, you know, see how it works out. You, you mentioned there, Matt, that, you know, you try and, you, know, you do keep it separate from your own, writing you know your own short stories but it must must you know like you must see ideas and styles and techniques from that you know collaboration seep into your story surely well i don't i don't know that we've been doing it long enough um for that to to work because although we've been we've been at it for maybe a year and a half two years it's a side project for all of us we all have our own you know, individual things going all the time. And it's, it's sort of like when somebody gets to something, we'll do it. So we've only completed maybe three stories. Um, we've got, um, well, like I said, we've got that one coming out in, um, issue 60 of Andromeda Spaceways, uh, in-flight magazine. We've got another that's out making the rounds and we've got a third that's almost finished. So we haven't, we haven't done it enough where it's bleeding into our other things. But I think part of it is we complement each other. Uh, Dan and Grant, um, they're both here. What I'm good. I'm an idea guy, really. I'm, I'm more of an idea guy than I am a story guy, but I have to write the stories to, uh, to push the ideas out. And Dan and Grant are better, storytellers i think so i benefit from that in that way and maybe they benefit from some of my weird ideas so we sort of complement each other and uh, i don't know that i could do what they're doing yet i i may in the future though it would be nice for us though Matt, you know like, to actually see them could you know like you say you, you, there's three wrote there now would you not consider putting these together in your own kind of little collection and getting them out there um, well, you know, I'd, I'd have to talk to the other guys about that. It, it, whatever we do, we have to agree on unanimously. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a possibility we'll do that, but obviously we want to, we want to see if anybody else will pay us for it first, you know, because 
with most magazines. You want the cash, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, with most magazines, you can sell it to them. And then after a period of six months to a year, maybe, you know, you can reprint it yourself. So, you know, instead of just putting it all out ourselves first, why not try to sell it? And, uh, you know, it, besides, you know, a little cash in the pocket, it'll also reach people that we wouldn't normally reach by ourselves. Um, so there may be a collection in the future. Do you think that's the case, though, that now, Matt? Do you know what I mean? Like, let's put aside the kind of the money side of it, because mm-hmm. I'm guessing even if it was sold to the biggins, you know what I mean? It's going to be like kind of almost peanuts when it comes down to splitting it three ways and the work you've put in against the ratio of the, the, the pounds, shilling, pence, dollars that you're going to get back. You know, can three years not create enough stir media-wise to be like more cost-effective and get it out there as like an e-book? Because that, to me, sounds excellent. Do you know what I mean? The three years, because I've read the three years stories, do you know what I mean? So I kind of know how he's all right anyways. Like you say, mm-hmm. Grant and Dan, you know, are just fantastic writers, you know. Wouldn't that be more of like a benefit to just get it out there, just start the, the ball rolling on the kind of the social media scene anyways and trying to like hawk them around, you know, six yeah. months to a year? Well, it's a possibility. I don't think we have... Um, you need a manager. <clears throat> <laughs> you you want to be our uh, Brian Epstein, do you? That'll do for me. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, I don't think at the moment that even the three of us together have the reach that some of the bigger magazines have. Um, you know, we could we could make some noise, um, but a lot of people don't know who we are yet. Um, you know, and it's possible that they would know as we're doing that. I don't know. I, I'd have to run that by the guys and see what they think. What else then, Matt? Just, out, you know, while we're here, I might as well kind of pry into you. I, I, you seem always like busy doing stuff. Do you know what I mean? But can I go to a, like a, a, an Amazon and buy a, an ebook from particular, just your work or not? Uh, yeah, I've got a couple of things out there. I've got um, the only self-published thing that I have out at the moment is uh, my story that first ran in Chizine back in, I don't know, 2006 or something. Uh, fluff and buttons on the teddy bear range. <laughs> I just, uh, I, it's, it's a dark yet ridiculous story about a bunch of uh, teddy bears fighting for survival uh, in in a fight against demons. But um, it, uh, I just, I just redid that uh, story. My, my sister is actually a romance writer and she has suddenly um, found success by doing eBooks on Amazon. And so she said, Hey man, you got to get in on some of this. So I redid my teddy bear story. I, I added, um, a couple of different versions of the story into this eBook. And I put, um, I, I wrote a, an afterword about how the story was put together because I like to find out how things were put together again with the, the Beatles, um, reference, one of the coolest shows I've ever seen was a half hour documentary on how Sergeant Pepper was made. You know, I just I love to find out the inner workings of how things came together and how ideas gelled and things like that. So I try to add that to anything that I'm working on. So I've got that out at the moment. Uh, You can read my um, tour.com short story. Um, You can get that through Amazon um, for 99 cents. It's called Beauty Belongs to the Flowers. Uh, You can also get it for free if you want to. 
cheat me out of even the tiny royalty that I could possibly get um, by getting it through thebestoftour.com 2011. Uh, you also get a lot of other cool stories with that. Uh, Michael Swanwick's got a story in that one. Nettie Akorafor uh, and some other folks. So that's that's a cool deal. Um, I've got uh, well, I've got that story in the John Moreau um, shared world anthology. The the shared world anthology is called um, Walk the Fire, and my story in it is called um, Oh my gosh, can I remember this? It's called Aborted Love with Chaos Motor at Lucky Pierre's. <laughs> I had I had just visited. I had just visited the Dolly Museum here in uh, Florida, in St. Petersburg, Florida, and uh, about two days before I came up with that title, and and the titles of some of his paintings inspired that title. Uh, But anyway, so so those are the things that are out there right now. I'm putting together a collection at the moment of some of my least rational short stories, uh, the the type of thing that Mango fans would probably get the most out of my short stories. Um, it's a dozen different stories. I'm in the process of writing an afterwards for each story, a uh, making of. And then um, I have an artist uh, I've been speaking to. I There's no... There's no deal done, so I don't want to use a name, but it's a a Hugo Award-winning artist who's going to do the cover for me. I'm hoping that will be out in, say, June. Um, That's going to be called – this is kind of – nobody is going to be able to to (laughs) find this by the name of it. It's going to – I have a story and a a really crazy short story that I wrote um, after I watched a Jimi Hendrix podcast. documentary and i said to myself i'm not writing crazy enough i'm not being inventive enough and so i i threw down this 1200 word short story that's absolutely nuts editors who i've sent it to said this is beautiful writing i have no idea what's going on here so <laughs> so that's the kind of story that is but the story is called dritty does okay d-r-i-t-t-y d-o-e-s dritty does and so I'm putting together 12 stories and calling it the Dritty Dozen, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, that, anyway. and, we, and we, we'll be able to get that coming, Matt. Yeah, hopefully I'll, hopefully I'll have it together in June. Um, I, I have to get through this, this mango thing, <laughs> and uh, I'll, you know, I have to finish the afterwards for the story, and I, the... The artist said that um, the art would probably uh, be workable in the neighborhood of May or June. So, you know, it may be July. We'll see. But I'll, I'll um, let everybody know through my, you know, through my blog and my, uh, you know, the, on the Mango page when it's available. You know, when you say the artwork as well, because, you know, I've kind of been down that route as well. Who's, are you getting, you'll have to get someone, are you doing it yourself, get the fonts on? Do you know what I mean? You'll get a, probably like a raw picture off the artist. Are you getting someone exactly. to, to do the, the kind of, the fonts and everything, the layout? Yeah, you know what? I, I hadn't planned on that. My sister has people that she's offered to hook me up with. Um, and so I, I might go that route. I may just do with what I did with um, I did my own cover for uh, Fluff and Buttons on the Teddy Bear Range. And what I did is I had a photo. I um, I looked at books that were already out there to get an idea for design. And what I did is just did a black field over the photo 
where I wrote the title. And then lower down, I did a black stripe across the bottom with my name on it. So I didn't have to worry about putting, you know, putting the words on the photo itself. It kind of separated it. It it still looked good, although I did want a professional artist for this one. Um, I'll I'll have to see the finished art, see if I can do anything that looks halfway decent with it. I, I understand that a professional would do a much better job and I may have to go that route. So um that's you know it's still a possibility that uh somebody who knows what they're doing will work on it well you know if you ever do want any kind of help in that you know come see me so i know a few you know that's true you know hey listen honestly there's people would love to kind of just work on it you know what i mean to get it sorted for you that would be fantastic that's true you have some incredible looking covers right matt are you coming by any chance to worldcon or not are you going to come and have a drink because we I almost, yeah. I almost class you as a brother. Now, I want to buy my brother a pint. I know. I would love to do that, but there's that's not happening this year. I'm sorry. I would I would love to, but London is is out of my financial reach at the moment. I was able to do Worldcon in San Antonio because my sister lives like an hour away from where it was being held, and so I was able to stay with her and save big money that way, you know? And um, and I'm able to do um, ICFA, uh, which is the International Conference for the Fantastic in the Arts, which happens in Florida every March. I'm able to do that because I can just drive to it and I don't have to sleep over. So London, unfortunately, um, you know, I can't commute there day day by day. <laughs> well, so, mind you, we, we, we live, I don't know what, 400 miles we are, whatever it is from it. And it's just, I'm going down with the, the wife and the little one, and they're actually going off around London, seeing like in the Harry Potter world and stuff like that. Even just for us that live, you know, it costs a fortune, man. It's just like, yeah, yeah, man. I'm sure. I mean, London is a damn expensive city. Yeah. <laughs> what um, what was your experience then like of, of Worldcon last year then Matt was it is it worth the, the hassle of going because I've never been to one I've been to a, a little kind of one in yeah you went, a little you went to in. that French yes. one right yeah 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 um, it's it's definitely worth it and it's really it's really just about meeting the people meeting the people that you've known online for years and and meeting people that you've read for years um at uh, at ICFA um, in Florida, I met Joe Haldeman and Gay Haldeman, and that was fantastic. Here's a guy I've been reading since I was 16 years old. Um, I also met Neil Gaiman. Uh, there's a guy I've been reading since I was like 19 years old, and that, that was incredible. And it, doubly incredible was that they were both super nice guys, you know, and and Gay Haldeman is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Oh, she loves Right. So, so that's cool. Um, at Worldcon, um, so, so get this, uh, to save money and because I, I don't feel really good with airplanes, I actually drove to Texas from Florida and you can't really get an idea probably because you don't know the, the scale of it, but it, it took me probably two days (laughs) 
<laughs> it's actually it's if you if you can drive straight through and just stop for gas here and there, it's like eighteen hours. It, it's more like a day and a half for me because I every time I get tired, I pull over and I sleep in a rest stop for ten twenty minutes, and then I get on the road again, and then I. I stay awake by drinking lots of coffee, water, and soda, and so I have to take a lot of pee breaks, unfortunately. <laughs> but it, uh, it so it was a, a long, arduous drive. Um, but I was able to see people on the way. I stopped and saw my daughter at school um, when I was passing through Orlando. That was cool. On the way back, I stopped and saw a friend in Louisiana. Um, so that's great. So those are things that you can't necessarily do on an airplane. The pilot usually won't pull over so you can say hi to somebody. Um, but, uh, so once I got there, um, stayed at my sister's, went there Friday morning and it was, it honestly, it's tough the first day, um, because you don't know anybody. Um, I, I had met a couple of people, you know, at ICFA before, but I wasn't seeing anybody and I was just sort of wandering around and, you know, a lot of these people have known each other for many years, have seen each other at many conventions and they're all gathered together in their cliques and you're kind of standing outside the whole thing. Um, but, uh, the second day people I knew started rolling in, there was a big, I, I'm a contributor to SF signal. And there was a big SF Signal get-together um, because they're actually out of Texas, although the contributors are from all over the country. Um, a, a few of them live right there in Texas. And so we had a get-together, and so, bang, you know, I have instant friends that I can hang out with. And Patrick Hester, do you know Patrick Hester? Well, I know of, of the name and, you know, like from, like, let's say, a blog post. And- right. Okay. So he, he hosts the, uh, you know, he hosts the SF signal podcast and I've been on the show a few times. So I know him through that. And, and he did a brilliant thing. The, the bar at the hotel where everybody was, was too noisy to hear anything. So he just sat down in the space between the bar and the bathroom and he saw everybody who was at the convention that way. And, and so I, I went and I hung out with him and I met lots of people and I met old friends. So it was great. I met, uh, well, I met Christy Yant, you know, fellow Sophonaut. Yes. And that was, that was pretty awesome. You know, she's, she's like a sister to me. Uh, I met Kate Baker, another Sophonaut. Um, and, uh, you know, it was just fantastic. I went to a couple of panels um, there was uh, there were a lot of Robert E. Howard panels, the guy who created Conan, um, because he was a Texan. Um, so there was, you know, there were a lot of Texans who had grown up with him around there. So I went to a couple of those. I went to some friends' readings, um, and I went to I went to a panel called "How to Sell a Story to Ellen Datlow." Um, I don't know if I was actually expecting to learn how to sell a story to her, but, uh, you don't learn how to sell a story to her if you go to that panel, but you do have a lot of fun because the panel was like, uh, Gardner Dozois, Michael Swanwick, um, who else was there? Oh my gosh. I'm forgetting a couple of the people that were there, but, but basically they just sat around and reminisced and, and goofed around for an hour. And, and that was good fun. Um, but really the panels, um, I don't I don't spend most of my time at panels because, you know, if something's good, it's good. But really, the best part is just meeting people. You know, I met um, 
I met John Joseph Adams for the first time. Um, we had, uh, you know, spoken many times. He's probably read the first paragraph of every story I've uh, <laughs> I've written, you know, before before rejecting it. But, you know, he's familiar with me there. He used to live in my town years ago. We never met at the time. But, um, you know, so I actually I work with a lady that he used to work with many years ago when he was a teenager. And, you know, and so now I can meet him for the first time. Of course, I know him through Christy, um, who's who's married to him. What's it and like, Matt, what's it like when you, you know, you, you, we spend our lives in the kind of commun- communicating with the, in the digital world, people. What's it like actually meeting people, you know, like you've spent seven years talking to online for the first time? What's it like meeting them? It's fantastic uh, because it's, you don't have this weird sort of, Small talk, you know, when you're online, the people that you meet online uh, that you've known for years, you engage with them at a deeper level because, you know, you're you're not talking about the weather and you're not talking about sports because you're feeling awkward. If you're talking to them, you're talking to them for a reason because you have things in common. So you actually you actually form a very deep bond. And so when you actually see each other, it's awesome to see each other for the first time, but you can slip right into a comfortable conversation and just hanging out and just doing things, you know? So it's, it's fantastic. You're going to, you're going to have a lot of fun um, hooking up with people that, that you've known for years, but haven't seen. Oh, I mean, it, it was, I, I think with the, the, you know, when I went down that the the French one. I was so keen on like say getting an interview this, getting an interview there and that and Right. I, I was and I kinda lumped in this little kind of pre record this little recorder thing over with it. And this time like you say I just wanted to spend time in the bar. Do you know what I mean? I just Yeah, yeah. Interview. That's that's where the that's where the fun is. Um and, and a lot of people who, who can't afford conventions do I think what they call a bar convention where they just go to the bar. They don't buy the membership you know, they just hang out at the bar where everybody's going to be anyway. And, uh, and you know, they have a great convention. They just uh, if you're going to work a convention, like if you're going to do interviews and panels and stuff, my advice is to make it a small amount of your time because you're going to have more fun just hanging out and talking to people. You know, like one night. Um, uh, let's see. I went out to. um Oh, I met uh, I met um, uh, Jeremy um, Talbot. Yes, 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 yes. I met him for the first time, and of course, uh, you know, we had done some sofa knots together. So, like one night, me and Jeremy, uh, John Joseph Adams, Christy Yant, uh, Bo Bolander, and um, a couple of other people, we just went out, you know, to like this really. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to. I'm not going to give it a rating here, but we went out to a wax museum of varying quality. And then right next door, we went to, uh, you know, we went to a Ripley's, believe it or not. And this was not something that, you know, if you were just following um, the convention booklet, this is not something that you would do because it's, you know, it's off a few blocks away. But if you if you're not scheduled every minute of the day, you can just go off and do things like this with your pals in in some cool city. You know, so uh, that's that's a fantastic part of the convention. Well, Matt, hopefully one day, you know, we'll get away from this virtual thing. We'll try and we'll, we'll hook up one day. I would like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, we will. We will. That'll be that will be very that will be very kind. You take good care then, Matt. All right. Thanks for talking to me, Tony. Take care. Good talking to you. Bye bye. There you go. And like I say, Matt's right in the middle, or not right in the middle, right on the edge of kind of starting this off, this kind of full month of kind of short little fiction stories on the hairy mango. Go over there and support him and, and listen to them and you know, and subscribe to his show. Donate to Matt's show as well. Do you know what I mean? Every day he's got to do this in the month of May. <gasps> do you know what I mean? I start things and it's great. You know what I mean? You get loads of good feedback and stuff and then you think, I've got to do that again next year. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> Matt's keeps on doing it go on matt thank you so much for coming on at that stupid time as well so that is today's show i hope you've enjoyed it i when you kind of listen to this within this kind of week will be in venice yes we've got a couple of days away in venice my god Mm, see how that goes without kids (laughs) until next week just like to say good night from me survive this terrible ordeal? Can they win through with their integrity unscathed? Can they escape without completely compromising their honor and artistic judgment? Tune in next week for the next exciting installment of It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com Thank you for listening.